So we are uh, currently in a series called um, The Story, where we go from back to, uh, front to back uh, through the Bible, and um, I have the opportunity to share about The Battle Begins, uh, and it's quite interesting that before there's ever a taking of land or stepping into your promise, um, uh, the promise that, that you've received from God, there will always be a battle. There will always be a battle. There will always be a Jordan River to cross or a Jericho uh, or, or another battle coming. And the, the question that I want to answer this morning is, how do we not stop short from the promises of God? How do we not stop and not get it? Because most of us have a promise from God. Most of us have a dream. But then we stop short. So I want to open with this scripture in Hebrews 10, verse 36. It says the following, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. We, we need to persevere. We need to keep on going on. The question is, why do we stop? Because we have a promise and, and God is dreaming over every one of us. But yet we, we haven't experienced it. We haven't received it yet in, in, in a tangible way. And, and most of the times we stop short. And when you read the story uh, where... It, where the battle begins, it speaks about Joshua. And Joshua is the sixth book in the Bible. And we're going to focus on the sixth chapter of the sixth book in the Bible, on Joshua 6, and, and the battle that happened at Jericho. Because just remember, 45 years prior, they already have received the promise of the promised land. But just because they've received the promise didn't mean they already possessed it. And just because you have received a promise, that does not mean that you already possess the promise. Because there is battles that is going to happen. And battles begin, especially if you come out of, like Pastor Pat said last week, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't been here last week or haven't seen it online, go watch that message of being in the wilderness season. But we are in a wilderness season, and, and when we come out of the wilderness season, you have to understand that the promise maybe is close by, or the promise is, is in reach, but the devil doesn't want you to have that promise, church. And that's why Jesus says in John 10, 10, um, uh, the, the, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you may, ha may have life and life in abundance. But listen, Jesus said, you can have life. He came that you can have life and life in abundance. But what precedes that statement is the devil comes and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. It precedes the promise. He does not want you to be happy. He does not want you to, to experience your promise from God. And that's why there's always going to be a battle. But the question is, why do we stop short? 
So I want you to read with me in Joshua 6, and, and we're going to read through Joshua 6 and, and just extract some, some, some truths on why we are stopping short from our promises. Verse 1, now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. Can you say seven times? Seven times. I'll come back to it. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all of the people shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go, uh, shall go up, everyone straight before him. God comes and, and he gives his instructions to Joshua. This is what you need to do. You need to march around the city for six days once. And on the seventh day, seven times around the city. And after there's a long, uh, hard blow on the horn, on the ram's horn, you should shout. And that's the instructions. But first, march. But first, march. And in just this five verses, there's, there's three things that I want to take out this morning. Three main reasons I think people stop short of the promised land, of the promise that God has given them. Number one, number one, reasons why people stop short. Number one is because our point of view gets obstructed. Our point of view gets obstructed. obstructed. Here's what you need to know about Jericho. Jericho wasn't a large city. If you, if you go back into the history of Jericho and, and maybe a little bit of geography here, it would take you around about an hour to march around the city of Jericho. Around about an hour. I think if we march around Kenmore, it would take me maybe an hour and a half, but it would, it's not a large, big city, but it's a well-fortified city. And all that they saw, everything that they saw, was, was that the right English word? Sometimes it's going to be bad grammar, but good theology, so bear with me. <laughs> all that they saw was this large, big city. And they know beyond this city is their promised land. But what they saw was this big city. And it wasn't even that big, but the walls were high. It was a well-fortified city. And that happens normally to us, is that our perspective 
and our point of view gets obstructed. We, we, we want to enter our promised land. We, we want to, to um, make this dream happen, the dream that God has placed in our hearts. But, but then someday, somewhere, we, we got to get to a place where, where, where all we see is there's no way to that promised land because our point of view gets obstructed. Verse 1, listen to what verse 1 says. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Jericho was scared of the people of Israel. Israel didn't know it because all that they saw was a big fortified city. Their view was obstructed. It's crazy because verse 2 says, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho in your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. Only God can speak in a past tense, even if it didn't happen yet. They did not get Jericho yet. But that's how strong church our God is. That he can say the word, I've given you already the city, even if you haven't got it yet. That, what, that is what, happening, what happens to us. Is that we want to go forward. We want to possess the promise that God has for us. But sometimes our point of view gets obstructed and we stop short of the promises. Second reason why I believe people stop short is because progress is not always noticeable. Progress is not always noticeable. I want you to read with me further. Joshua 6, verse 14. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of the ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed Men, pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. Verse 9, the armed men were walk walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them, and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. So they did for six days. Just imagine this for a moment. You are one of these army members. Your leader tells you to go and march. Go and march around the city. He never told them how long they're going to march. 
He just said to them, march around the city and don't say a word. Imagine you are, are, are married and you are one of the soldiers being invited to come and conquer this city. In this time, it, it would have only been men that, that would have marched and they would have had a camp set up and, uh, uh, somewhere else uh, for, for their wives and their children and their goat. Luckily, today, we, we live in an inclusive world where everybody can, can get part in, in the army. Amen? Amen? Be part. Be part. But imagine the commander-in-chief calls you up to be part of this army. And you sign up. And the only instruction is, we're going to win Jericho. But before we win Jericho and conquer Jericho, just walk around the city and keep quiet. So imagine after the first day, you get home to, to your partner. You get home and, and your partner, your wife or your husband asks you, ah, so how was it? And that is just code language for whenever your partner asks you, how was it, is you have to, it, it's not a bullet point discussion. It was, how was your day? I want to know. We're going to put on the kettle and we're going to have a discussion. And afterwards, you're going to ask me, how was my day? <laughs> it's an essay. It's not short answers. Imagine, first day, you just march. You're thinking about you're going to conquer and and be strong and come home. So how was your day? How was it? Did you kill someone? And you just, oh, just, we just marched. We just, oh, you just marched? Yeah, that's it. We just marched. Second day, coming home. How was your day? Oh, just marched. That's all? Did your leader lose his mind? What? Third day, fourth day, no progress. Nothing is happening. I mean, there's no sign of a victory. And I think that's one of the main reasons we stop short, because progress is not always noticeable. It's like going to the gym. Progress is not noticeable. I mean, I, I can't go and, and pump some irons in the gym and, and after a week expect that, that there's progress. It takes time. If progress was noticeable in the gym, we've been all would have been in the gym. I mean, if progress was noticeable by eating my broccoli. <laughs> imagine you eat a piece of broccoli and you pop an ab. <laughs> I'll be eating only broccoli for the rest of my life. But progress is not always noticeable. I'm like, Joshua, just, just give them a sign. I mean, if, 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 if I were God, and, and God forbid that ever happens because it would be terrible, but if I was in that position, I would just go after day one, just let the top wall crumble. And they too, just motivate them sometimes. Like Tetris, if you play Tetris and, and if you get it right, the, the bottom one goes, disappears and just, just a sign, but, but it didn't happen. It did not happen. Why? Because progress is not always noticeable. No action for day four, day five, day six. No action. The only action and the only instructions was keep quiet and march. 
but our biggest problem is we don't see progress and then we talk ourselves out of the miracle that God has in store for us. And sometimes, church, we just need to shut up and march and trust God. That was not a good word for the pulpit. To zip it and march. Please cut that out of there. It's not always noticeable. Third reason. Third reason. The process is open-ended. The process is open-ended. Verse 15 and 16. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you a city. Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. You have to know that the process you are in is open-ended. What does that mean? It's, it means that there's always going to be another battle, church. There's always going to be another wilderness experience like last week. There's always going to be. It's an open battle. This was not their only battle. In Joshua 10, they had another battle. Before this battle, they had to cross the Jordan River. The process is open-ended. And we think it's, this is the promise and, and this is my life. But there's always another dream. There's always a new stretch. There's always a new step to take in your spiritual journey with God. The process is open-ended. And there's not a clock on your dream, church, saying this, this is the dream. It has ended. There's always another dream. And the question that we need to ask is, do you trust that God is working even when you're not, uh, what you are doing doesn't seem to be if it's working? I want to read it again. Do you trust that God is working even when what you are doing doesn't seem to be if it's working? The process is open-ended. It's always going to be another battle. But then the question is, what do I need to do tomorrow? What do I need to do next week to not stop short of the promises of God? Zalvin, if, if this is the three, three reasons, if, if this is the three reasons that you are giving me why people are stopping short, our, our point of view gets obstructed, what, what do I do with it? How, how do I unobstruct it? Or, or if, if progress is not always noticeable, what, what do I need to do? If the process is open-ended, if I don't know when it's going to end, what do I need to do with it? I want to end off this service by giving you three practical things that you can do in this battle when you get into a battle situation before you can enter the promised land. What do I do with it? First of all, First of all, number one, don't stop praising. When your view gets obstructed, when your point of view gets obstructed, don't stop praising God. Why? Because praise 
lifts our perspective, church. Praise lifts our perspective. When we come to church together and we praise corporately together, it lifts our perspective. It lifts our perspective from the perspective that we see to a higher perspective of what God sees. We cannot stop praising God. In another battle that, that was going on in Second Chronicles 20 verse 22, as they began to sing and praise the Lord, uh, as they, listen, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. As they started to praise, God started to give them a victory. What's happening here? Your praise is creating a problem for your problems. And I'm preaching better than you responding now. I'm going to say that again. Your praise creates a problem for your problems. The moment that, that, that Joshua and them started to praise the God and shouted for the Lord has given them a city, the walls came crumbling down, church. We don't just come to church to praise God and sing a few songs. There's power in our praise. There's power when we start to lift the name above every name, church. And praise lifts our perspective. Psalm 22 verse 3, one of my favorite psalms says, He inhabits the praises of His people. The moment we start, when, when you feel God is not present in your life, present in your situation, when your view gets obstructed, what do I need to do? I need to start praising Him because Psalm 23 promises, whenever I praise God, He comes and He inhabits the space that I'm in. He lifts my perspective, church. Don't stop praising when you feel like you're going to stop short because there's no breakthrough, you can't see it happening, don't stop praising because praise lifts our perspective. And let your praise create some problems for the problems that you are facing. Second thing that you can do is don't stop trusting. It's probably the most difficult part, but don't stop trusting. Joshua didn't tell them how long. He didn't tell them how long they're going to walk. He didn't say anything. And sometimes I wonder why. I wonder why didn't Joshua tell them? And I think because Joshua learned from experience. That I think if, if he, he knew 45 years ago, he told them that they can take the city and they did not believe him. They did not. And this time, he, he learned from experience, I'm not telling you anything. I'm not telling you're going to march. I'm not telling you how long. I'm not going to tell you for how long. Because if, 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 if Joshua told them, their trust would have been in their own ability and not in God's ability. God doesn't want you to trust in your progress, church. He wants you to have faith in His promises. And sometimes when we march and we keep quiet and we're not sure when breakthrough is coming, 
Can it be that it's the march that prepares us for the promise that's ahead? And we need to stop focusing on what, what is happening to us and start focusing on what's happening in us. There's some character building in us that's starting to happen because the promise is coming. And we, we need to have the character to possess the promise. Sometimes the marching trains us for the promise. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight and understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him. And He will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. See, church, when we are faithful, we get to experience His faithfulness. And in another battle... As we conquer this battle, there's another battle coming. Joshua had another battle coming, and we see in chapter 6, it's an amazing battle. And the sun starting to go down on this battle. And Joshua knew that if the sun goes down, he's going to lose a battle. What did Joshua say? This was his prayer. God, let the sun stand still. It's interesting that he trusted God so much that he could ask for the sun to stand still. That is church, that is audacious faith. And if we have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to perform. But we should have the faith in us. And, and the scary part is this. The sun could not have standed still. It's always standing still. It's the earth that moves around the sun. It's not the sun that goes around. But here's the thing that I've come to learn. That God is so involved in our story. He's so involved in our story that even if we get our words wrong and our prayers wrong, He still knows what we need. He knew that Joshua meant that the earth should stand still so that the sun don't set. He knew it. But even with the wrong words and the right heart, God was involved in his story and church. Even if we don't have the right words and the right prayer life, God still knows what we need to face our battles. And again, I'm preaching 62% better than you've just responded. I'm going to end off. James, you can come up forward. So long. Number three. Number one, don't stop praising. If your perspective is being blocked, don't stop praising because it lifts your perspective. If progress is not always noticeable, keep on trusting God. Keep on trusting God because when we are faithful, we get to see His faithfulness. Number three, don't stop at six. Remember, Joshua said seven times, don't stop at six, meaning don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, and for due season we will reap. Let us not grow weary. Don't give up. See, some of us is on lap six 
and we don't even know it. Some of us is so close to our breakthrough and we don't even know it. It's like when, when you watch NASCAR or Formula One or uh, I, I used to do a bit of oval track racing. They have a lap counter. I mean, if you, if you did a 30 lap race, your arms was tired and, and you could, you like praying in the car, just get the counters out. I want to see when I'm finished. And then it's lap five, and then lap four, lap three, lap two, and then the white flag. The white flag was my best flag that I could have seen because I'm so unfit I couldn't hold the car anymore. One more lap to go. And then you got the checkered flag and the race is over. But see, in life, there's no lap counter. There's no white flag telling us this is that you are almost there. And some of us stop short because we have stopped on six. Don't stop on six. Keep on going so that you don't give up. We need to walk this life like every lap is our last lap. Like every step and every corner and every turn we take is our last corner. But don't stop on six. Don't give up. Parents, I want to encourage you. Don't give up on your teenagers. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop trusting God for breakthrough in their life. Don't stop praying for your marriages. Don't stop praying for your spouses. Husband, don't, don't stop loving your wives as Jesus Christ loved the church. Because he said in his word, he gave his life to the church. Don't stop. Don't let the devil come and kill, steal, and destroy. Why? Because Jesus Christ have a life and life in abundance for you, church. Don't give up. And don't give up on the promises of God and, and the dream that he has for your life. I don't care if you're 72 years old and if you're 14 years old. Colin L. Sanders of Kentucky Fried Chicken discovered Kentucky Fried Chicken on 61 years of age. After 1,002 no's. Imagine if he gave up. No more finger licking good. That would have been a disaster. Maybe you turned 70. Ah, oh, and I just, God still has a dream for you. You can still impact your city. You can still make a difference. How's Alvin? You can still pray for the next generation and the next and the next. God can use you. And He wants to use you. And He wants you to experience your promised land. But we can't and never should give up. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you for every person here. Thank you that you dream about every person. You have a plan for every person and that you love every person here dearly. I just want to pray, Lord, for every head that is bowed and eyes that is closed.
that you will take the paintbrush on a brand new canvas and paint the dream and the picture that you have for everyone here. And may they see that so vividly that they would know what is their next step to take. But Lord, may we keep on praising you when the battle gets hot. May we keep on praising you when our perspective gets blocked. Even if we don't see the progress, Lord, may we keep on trusting you. Even if the process is open-ended, may we not give up, Lord, on the promises that you have for us. And I'm aware that Every head is bowed, and I want to ask you to keep, keep it bowed for a moment. Because maybe you are sitting here and say, Zalvin, love the message, love the worship, but I'm new to this. Maybe you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. And I want you to understand this. Jesus Christ paid it all for you. All your sins, past, present, and future sins, were forgiven on the day of Calvary when Jesus gave his life for you. You don't have to pay anything. It's a gift for you. But you have to accept the gift of salvation by accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to invite you into that. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to expose you. I just want to include you in a prayer and a simple prayer. And if it sounds too good to be true, that is what we call grace. So if every head is bowed and nobody is looking around, if you want to accept Christ this morning as your Lord and Savior, you just raise your hand for a second and let it down. I just want to include you in a prayer. I'm not going to call you forward. You can just raise it up. Thank you. You can let it down. Thank you. I wonder if it's more. Yes, thank you. You can let it down. Thank you. There's a couple of hands that went up and I want you to pray with me. And I want to ask everyone to pray with me to support these guys because the biggest decision they've just made by accepting Christ and the gift of salvation. So pray with me. Lord, I come to you and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. But thank you for saving me and cleansing me by your blood. Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior and I accept the gift of salvation I pray it in Jesus name Amen can we give those people